Yo, yo, what's going on, big dogs? Welcome into another episode of Adams Plus One. This episode features Lauren Paul. Lauren Paul is a stay-at-home mom who just celebrated her four-year sober milestone. She shares her story on struggling with alcoholism throughout college and her flight attendant career. Lauren's story is one that I've always admired from afar, so I was super excited to get her on the podcast and give her the opportunity to share that story with you all. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a share. Let's dive in. Speaking of that, yeah, the reason I definitely wanted to have you on is I've seen you post on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know you, right? And a lot of times I mess up your last name. I say Lauren Ford and I'm like, no, it's Lauren Paul. I got to get that right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd see you post and I'd be like, dang, dude, that is such a powerful story, right? I've seen you post about yeah. it a few times and then I saw just recently and maybe a few months ago, like four year mark, right? Yeah. And I thought, wow, that I want to I want to talk to her about that. So definitely inspired inspires me because I, I've grown up with alcoholics in my family. Right. OK. For you to really own that. I think it's really special. So uh, really yeah. happy to have you on for sure. Now, thank you to start the pod. I don't want to push you in any direction. This is your story. Right. I wanted to give you a platform to talk about it. So I want yeah. you to tell your story to the audience and I'm not going to tell you where to start. You know where to start. You know where to go. I'm just going to jump in where I see fit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like now that it's been so long, I'm pretty open about talking about it. I mean, four years, it's not as hard as when I was like in the middle of it. I think for me, like, so I never drank in high school. I wasn't somebody that would go out on weekends. I didn't have my first drink until I was almost 21. It started probably where it does for most people for me, which was college. Just those habits of like at first, when I first started drinking, just like with friends for fun, which I still like to this day, even though now I'm sober, I still think that's kind of an important part of being young. Like, I don't regret that and look back on, you know, the fun nights going out in college. Um, I think for me, like what it kind of started was like the drinking alone. So I would, for me, like if I was bored after class, didn't have something to do, I would just drink like at my apartment just to kind of like keep myself busy. And then, so like those habits going through college for four years Um, Once I graduated, that's kind of when it became more of like a problem for me, I would say. Um, And it was, yeah, just it kind of like progressed slowly. I've heard this quote that they say it's like becoming an alcoholic, like declaring bankruptcy. It happens slowly and then all at once. So it kind of was how it was for me. (laughs) Um, It's a great quote. yeah. So I actually like in college, it was my senior year. I accidentally put myself in the emergency room from my drinking. And at the time, like to me, it just seemed like something everybody did. I had like a bad night, stayed up all night. The next day, I'm like, I need something to keep myself awake. So of course, I was drinking four locals the whole day <laughs> to get that energy and still have the alcohol. And so by the end of that night, I needed to go to bed and I couldn't sleep. I was hanging out with my friends and all of a sudden I was having like chest pains. I felt like I was like dreaming, like the same thing kept happening over and over. It was super weird. So I did the only logical thing I could think of and called an ambulance for myself. But none of my friends wanted to drive me to the hospital and said you were fine, which honestly I was like, it was still kind of a blur in hindsight. It felt like a dream. Um, But yeah, at the time, it's like, that's something that should be super embarrassing and like a wake up call. But for me, it was just like, oh, I'm like, everybody does this. Like, that's just part of being young and being in college. And I would say that was kind of like, looking back, like that around that time is when it started getting really bad. And I didn't necessarily like see the warning signs then. 
Um, and then when I was ready to graduate college, I feel like I was a communications major and I spent so much time just drinking and having fun that I, when I graduated, I didn't really have like a plan of what I wanted to do. So I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't really do any internships or like plan ahead. So I, when I was looking at different jobs to apply for becoming a flight attendant kind of fit, because it was a way like that lifestyle, the flying and not having a normal, like, like, I don't think I could have had an eight to five job, like with how I was drinking and having to get up in the morning and be like a normal functioning person. So I, I think that's kind of why I lean towards being a flight attendant. Um, and that's kind of, that is like a big problem in aviation. A lot of people are really big drinkers and it's not to say it's because of aviation and it's not fair to like blame the industry, but I think people that were like me who maybe don't know what they want to do for like a full career kind of start off in aviation, at least for being a flight attendant. Yeah. Um, so that made it really easy for me, like graduating college and transitioning to that, where I would only probably work like two or three days a week. So I had a lot of free time to, to fill with drinking and, I think like, so in college, it was more of like fun and partying. And then after I had graduated, so you have just the stress of like starting this new career in aviation. And then at that same time, I'm really close with my family and I had still lived at home and my parents were ended up moving to Pittsburgh. So I was dealing with starting a new job, my parents moving, my sister was moving to Denver, my best friend since like what third grade and I had had a big fight and we weren't friends anymore. So it was like all these different stressful things that the drinking that was once fun became more of like a crutch. So it kind of changed into like a coping mechanism. And then it also fit really well with, so with being a flight attendant, when I was, um, I had started dating my now husband, Nick. So for him, I only saw him two or three days a week. So when he saw me and I was drinking to him, it's like, oh, I don't, you know, she only drinks like when we're hanging out. And then I didn't see my family as often because they moved. So then when I would see them to them, it'd be like, oh, she's just like here visiting and having fun drinking. And then on overnights at work, you only hang out with like the same crew for a couple of days. So to them, it's like, oh, I'm just like having a fun trip. So I feel like with that industry, it made it really easy to kind of like get away with the drinking because you're you not like you kind of camouflage it a little bit almost because you're only yeah. everyone seeing you almost a little like little in little bits. No one's seeing you, like you said, on a consistent basis. Exactly. Yeah. So it made it easy to kind of transition into that. But then it was like I knew like I um so for being a flight attendant, you can't drink eight hours before your flight. Um, and so I was, that's the one thing, at least I can say like proudly, I know I didn't do that. Like I was good about stopping at the eight hour mark, but there were still so many days where it's like, you're hungover, tired, like you can't do the job, you know, the way you're supposed to. And, and it was, yes, I did. I was a flight attendant for almost six years. And so for most of that, I was drinking really heavily and a lot of it, like, cause you're going to like a new city with people you don't know, it kind of like, that's just something to do. Like it's something everybody has in common. It's a way to like loosen up when you meet new people. And then I started kind of realizing it's like, you feel like if you go out drinking with your crew. So for my airline, it was regional. So we flew just around the United States, Canada, Mexico. So a lot of times it was kind of like small, boring cities where there's not that much to do. So yeah, everybody and most of the people there were younger too and like to drink. So at the time, it's like you feel like, oh, you're bonding with these people 
people and like, you know, you're loosening up and sharing stories, but then it's like, you always, the next day you feel kind of off, like, you know, it's awkward and not genuine, that kind of like connection. And like, like you, when you first meet somebody, you shouldn't share all those like personal stories and stuff that like when you're drinking, you kind of, So I kind of started realizing that after a while, like I felt like I had all these friends in like the industry, but where it wasn't as like genuine as the friends, you know, that you make when you're young and actually get to know. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I probably, I would say probably for the first like five years of being a flight attendant, I was drinking heavily. I would at the hotel, like if nobody wanted to go out, I would drink in my room. I would always, I don't like, and I'm sure for everybody that drinks, like I would wake up at like two or 3 a.m. with that anxiety and feeling sick and then have to go work the whole next day and be on an airplane that's rocking back and forth. So from the from this time period, right, like college, having fun and drinking a lot, like you said, and it sounds like drinking alone was something like probably getting comfortable doing that. It yeah, might, it might be where it started. But my question is, you know. You're, you're so you're going through college, having fun you're a flight attendant. Were there ever times like at any moment where you're like, this is a problem. Like, even though you didn't confront it, like subconsciously you were like, yo, this is, I'm, uh, there's something wrong here. Yeah. And I, yeah, part of it too. It's like, I've always been really into like eating healthy and a healthy lifestyle. So there was that in the back of my mind that like, I mean, it is a poison. Like, and I'll say too, like to this day, even though I don't drink, I'm not against it for other people. So, like, when I say this, like, oh, it's a poison, it's bad for you. I'm not saying people shouldn't drink. Like, it's not like I don't because I have a problem. Other people in moderation, it's fine. But yeah, I just I started feeling like I know it's not good for me. I was getting into my. I think part of it was being a little bit younger, like in my early twenties. Like, oh, I have time to deal with it, you know, and to reverse whatever, like you know, the damage that it does. But yeah, I definitely like, cause there were, when you, when I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like try to count how many drinks that, that I had and stuff that, yeah, definitely was a lot of fear. And I don't, at the time I didn't tell anybody. And part of it was, I thought, I just thought everybody was doing that. Like yeah. I didn't feel like I was this, and a, a lot of my friends from college were drinkers at the time. And I would compare myself to other people like in the industry that I'd fly with. So it makes it really easy when you're looking like to find other people like you to kind of use that to like make you feel better about your habits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like as I had got older, like into my later 20s, then I would start to feel it more and have more of like, yeah, that fear. Did you feel like you were hiding it from anyone? Like was there ever that did it get to that point? It definitely did. So I would like at home, like, so when I wasn't flying, I would hide it like in my fridge throughout the house. Part of it was, I just didn't want to hear it from Nick. Like I didn't want (laughs) to be like criticized for it. I didn't want the arguments, which obviously it's like coming from a place of like caring that like, obviously he wouldn't want to live with somebody that's, you know, drinking that heavily. But yeah, no, I definitely like I would hide it when I like when I was flying, I would drink before like going out with the crew in my room. Cause like I would know I had to drink a certain amount that like where I wouldn't feel the anxiety. Right. So I would like kind of do that in secret. And then where then I would go out with everybody. And I'm sh- like, I have so many just embarrassing like memories looking back on where like I know that I drank too much before going out with everybody. The stories that I share, like all these moments of embarrassing myself. But at the time, it was like never enough to be a reason to stop. It just kind of had like that's part of she like with drinking why I stopped. People say like a lot of people expect you to have this like one big story of like rock bottom. 
And to me, I never did that. It was just all those like little embarrassing stories and the hangovers that kind of compiled over time that after a while, it's like I started to, then I like, it was, then it would be worse and worse. I'd have the nights of going out drinking. I would black out. I would, I'm looking back. My, like I said, my parents had moved to Pittsburgh. So when I would go visit them, I'd be drinking so heavily. And then like, I would look back on the trip and like, I don't really remember most of it. And the whole right. time I would just be waiting until it was nighttime. So I could drink. Yeah. But kind of like, Oh yeah. All those little moments adding up that, so, so throughout your story, we went through quite a bit. Now you've been sober for four years. So I know you, like you mentioned, there's no like rock bottom point. I'm not, and maybe like for you, it was kind of like death by small paper cuts, if you will, right? Yeah. Just added up cumulative, but you've been sober for four years. So take me back to four years ago. Yeah. That day leading up to, okay, I'm going to be sober, right? Like you made that decision consciously. Yeah. What inspired you to get sober? And then like, you know, take me through that part of your story. Yeah. Maybe so at the time, it, it's not like a rock bottom story, but there was, it was Thanksgiving of 2019. So December 1st is my sober date. So it was maybe what, two weeks before that. But my grandma and my cousin had been visiting for Thanksgiving from California. And so of course I could just excited to see them. I'd been drinking all day. I went to my aunt and uncle's house where like, they like to drink too. So there was alcohol there. And that night I just, I remember blacking out and falling into a wall in front of all my family and at the time it's like that to them like my family's really caring and they knew how I was so it wasn't like I mean nobody would the next day would have said anything but to me it's like it was so embarrassing that and I my grandma was like in her 80s so like thinking too like that may have been the last time I saw her it wasn't but I mean just at the time not knowing and then just being so embarrassed that I didn't get to spend time with them so I decided after that happened to take a break just and part of it was I'm like because I knew they were kind of be mad at me. So like if I just take a break, then I have this out. Like you can't be mad at me because now I'm you know I'm taking a break for however long. Right. But so yeah, I decided to and I before I had done like what did they do like dry January and sober October. I had like tried to do those because I did know I needed to cut back, but none of them were successful. It's like I'd always I was kind of like half hearted about it. But so after that incident happened. It was, yeah, two weeks, so December 1st. I just, I I feel like I don't remember specifically making the decision. I just said I was going to take time to read different books about sobriety and just kind of see how long I could go without drinking. And it was more of like, so I could feel better. And then when I did start drinking again, then that way I could like not feel as guilty about it. But um, as I like invested the time, so like what really helped me, I know a lot of people do like AA or like going to groups and stuff, which is great. But to me, like I'm more introverted. So I felt like, like to me, I like to like read the like self-help books and stuff like that. So that's what really helped me because then I could kind of like internalize it and not have to like talk with somebody. And I think like if I, I'm sure like that would have helped too. And that's a good like option for a lot of other people. But yeah, I started reading, um, it was called Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington. And that was more of like, it wasn't about just being sober. It was like easing into it and like, like, oh, just drinking at like weddings or like, because I, I think if you go into it saying, oh, I'm never going to drink again, like that thought is super scary. And that's a good way to start drinking again. Like, it's not good to be like. It's going to cause you that anxiety, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, if you were going to decide to start working out and you say, okay, I'm going to work out every single day now. It's like just having that thought, like, where it's you know going to be a permanent thing. 
So to, yeah, to me, I just kind of felt like I was going to take a break. I didn't have a plan. Um, and then, so yeah, what ended up helping me quit long-term from after reading those books, listening to music about sobriety and from different sober artists really helped too. So like, you know, like when you're like, if you're sad and listen to sad songs, you're going to stay sad. If you like want to work out and listen to good music, it helps pump you up. And so it's the same thing, like with listening to songs about sobriety to me, because it's like, then you're just, you have it in your head all the time. And then just know, like hearing from other artists too, who like can express it a little bit more eloquently than I can and hearing these lyrics of other people who felt like how I do. Give me some um, song. That, give me some songs that that. Okay, that I wrote some down. Let's yes, go. Yeah, I'll share yeah. them. Let, we're all um, about music on this podcast. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Please. So I had, I listened to a lot of Macklemore because obviously yeah. he's big on recovery. There's one called Shadow that was really good, and Other Side, um, and then Elliot Smith Between the Bars is a really good song, um, and Clean by Taylor Swift. So I noticed like a lot of songs about like the Taylor Swift song about that. It's like a lot of them are kind of disguised as breakup songs. It's not necessarily like obvious that it's about drinking and sobriety, but I mean, it's kind of like a double meaning. Um, But yeah, so that really helped to just like hear that constantly and like rather than listening to like party songs and going out. So that made a big difference, too. Um, And then like what really helped me stop permanently was like from posting on Facebook about it. I think the first time I posted was when I was 30 days sober. And then that just like to me, like when you put it out there that you're doing that, like a lot of the time, that was the only thing that stopped me from drinking again, just that if I knew that because people knew if I did start drinking again, like it'd be embarrassing. (laughs) Like I put it out there that you find those those different ways that motivate you. And I know, I I don't even know if the word motivated, but it holds you accountable because you you post it. So, Hey, I'm at 30 days and I can't wait to update you when I'm at 60 or 90. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then part of it's like, because I put it out there, if I'm going out with my friends, nobody wants to be like that person that I like relapse with. So that was kind of a way, which that would, I would say like for anybody who wants to stop drinking, like that is like my number one advice to put it out there. Like even if you don't want to like post on social media, if you, if it's more private, like at least tell people that you're stopping. Cause I know for me, the few times that I tried to take a break, I didn't tell anybody. It's like, that's a really easy way to give in that right. nobody's holding you accountable and it's an easy way to have an out, but yeah, so posting and then, and then with posting about it too, a lot of the encouragement from people like really made a big difference too. And I have to say part of it, I don't know if it's just who I surround myself with that a lot of my friends that I drank with in college, like were growing up too. So they were kind of at a different point in their life too. And my husband's not a big drinker, but a lot of it, I would say like over the four years, I honestly can't think of like one time where I ever felt pressured or like any, you know, any, but nobody gave me a hard time trying to convince me to drink again. And I, th- I think part of it's like in our culture right now, everybody's with like a mental health focus and bettering yourself that I feel like when people hear that about being sober, it's, I don't know what, what it would have been like 10, 20 years ago. Like right. who knows if I would have been able to do it then. A ton of awareness but, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people, yeah, I felt like nothing but encouragement from people I had. I was like, I think six months sober and I went to one of my friend's bachelorette parties and they were doing a wine tasting and she had asked her sister to buy non-alcoholic wines for me. It's like, I would have been fine just not, yeah, not doing the wine tasting. But I always think of that. That's like, you know, somebody thought and, you know, cared enough to do something like that. 
And I think that's why it's important that you were outspoken about it. So people knew because yeah, obviously they didn't know they couldn't cater to you, but then I think some people, when they, when we keep things private, we're like, oh, they're going to, they're going to be mad at me for not drinking. Right. Yeah. Or they're going to be mad that I don't want to do this. And then what you really find out is you're really good friends. They find ways to involve you anyways. Right. Like, yeah, find a way. Yeah, exactly. And it made me think, well, maybe I was that hard to hang out with when I was drinking. <laughs> I think that my friends are just happy that I don't anymore. <laughs> but for the They're most like, part, yeah, you don't want to drink? We'll get you all the non-flavored, uh, yeah. non-alcoholic wines you can you can. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know that's how, like, for my husband, that's how it was. He's happy that now that I don't. But, but yeah, yeah, so it really, like, that made the big difference, too, like, just having the support. And there would be, I like, I feel like now I don't post about it quite as much just because it's been so long. Like, there's nothing really, like, new to say. But when I first, like, stopped drinking, if I ever did have, like, a time where I felt like I was going to give in, I would post something about, like, however many days that I was sober. And just, like, seeing that encouragement was a good way. And I've had, like, yeah, throughout the years, a lot of people have reached out to me. It's a lot of people who, like, aren't, like, don't consider themselves alcoholics, but just, like, wanted advice on how to, like, cut back and stuff like that. So that's also another reason I try to post, too just like so people know they have somebody to talk to yeah you're a resource now yeah yeah so i want to i want to dive in you can pick any song that you mentioned shadow between the bar i think it was between the bars yeah and clean either any just pick one maybe dissect it a little bit tell me what that song's about because i'm gonna go listen to it after this okay uh, I'm, i'm really looking forward to it so between the bars, actually, it's a really it's a slower song, and I it's funny I had I had heard it in a movie a super long time ago, and I always liked it, and I never thought about it relating to alcohol, but I looked it up, and so the artist died from I don't know if if it was like a um like from actually drinking or like had a complication of it, but he was an alcoholic, and so it's a it's a love song written from him like to alcohol or alcohol singing to him so it's like a good song that like if you just listened to it by itself you don't really really like hear the deeper meaning to it but it's supposed to be like a bottle of beer singing to you and so that one's more like one that's more like emotional where some of like the other ones like the macklemore songs are more like encouraging and uplifting Uplifting. Um, that's that's good for different different moods that you're in you could kind of lean on one or the other right yeah. And then it's like now listening to between the bars, like it's a sad song, but like now it like brings me encouragement to know I'm not in that place anymore. Okay, but at the time when I was trying to get over it and still in that spot, it was a good song that helped like bring me through it. Yeah. What a song that I love by Hosier, 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 whatever. Like, I can never say. Oh, really, but I know who you're talking about. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. He, yeah. uh, my best friend, Natasha, uh, she, had, she loves the song. It's her favorite song. I love the song now too. It's called, work song and he's like uh, it's an- another double meaning you it sounds like he's talking about this girl he was in love with you could take it that way but it sounds you could also say it's an addiction to something whether that's drugs or i think about alcohol obviously and yeah like he talks about there's nothing sweeter than my baby right and it's like well it sounds like a girl but he's really probably talking about his addiction right yeah so, so i yeah. think that's probably some crossovers right there between the two so i'm I'm gonna listen to all of them but i'll start with uh with the elliot smith one and then whoever's listening yeah. i hope they, they they check these out too so, and I apologize. I got the sniffles, man. I got, it's like oh. that time of the year. So that's why I've been muting and wiping out. Oh, it's okay. because, yeah. yeah. But, um, okay. So throughout, you said there are days where you, you'd struggle and you would post to get encouragement, which is awesome. Yeah. Was there ever a day you got super close? Like, like we were like, man, like any days where it was, it's been really tough to the point where you really had a tough time. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I would say like during COVID with the lockdowns, definitely, because that's like so I stopped drinking December 2019. And then I think what was it like March 2020 or so. But so for me, like my biggest thing was drinking at home, drinking alone. It was my way to pass time, which I'm sure like there's so many people in recovery that that was a hard time for them. It wasn't just me. But yeah, just the being home alone and there's nothing to do. Um, And so with being a flight attendant during that, I took four months off work during COVID. They were needing people to not quit, but just not be like actively flying. Um, so that was like that time was hard because it was like three or four months of when I'm used to traveling and stuff and still getting used to being sober because that was a newer thing Um, and so we so that was what like March and April like spring of 2020 so that um, October 2020 is when I was getting married um, so that just like the stress going along with that, with like planning a wedding during COVID and still being like an, in the early stages of sobriety and getting used to that too. That was probably the hardest. I know for me, yeah. like what helped was just not keeping alcohol in the house. Cause obviously like if you have it there, it's so much easier to just give in and drink it. But if you're going to have to go somewhere to buy it, like chances are by the time you get there, you're going to you know talk yourself out of it. Sure. It's but, kind of, I, I love cookies and sweets. Katie knows that. So don't leave those in the house. As soon as when people come yeah. over, if she made ba- like baked goods and they're like, can we take them? I'm like, take them all because I don't want them yeah. because I'm going to eat them all. So yeah, that's it. That's exactly. Out. And luckily for me, since my husband doesn't drink, like we really don't have alcohol in the house, which that that's probably what makes a big difference. Like I know if we did have it here, like how I used to that. And with now in hindsight, like, that it's been so long. Like I had what last for Thanksgiving I had hosted and I bought wine for that. Um, and I was kind of worried about having it here. Just, I mean, cause I usually don't, um, but it's funny. I, I put it in a cabin and I forgot about it until we were hosting. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to see now, like there's no way four years ago in new in sobriety, I would have forgot about that. Right. <laughs> would have yeah. been gone in like five minutes. So this is another element to it that I'm really curious about is the way I look at it. It's like, Everything in the world's inputs, outputs, and you talked about just removing it from the house, obviously. But in yeah. general, like right now, I don't know if you ever drank these. I'm drinking Olipop. Yeah, I had one of those with dinner. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you're smiling when I cracked it open, but I love these. They're great, right? So when I, <laughs> yeah. once I add Olipop in, I want to keep drinking Olipop. Now yeah. he's like, hey, we, we're done with Olipops. We're not buying them anymore. Well, I got to uh-huh. personally, the way I am, I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to drink Propel now, right? Like, I'll substitute yeah. something in. So if you removed yeah. alcohol, I'm curious. Did you have to find something in a sense that substitute another addiction? That's not what I mean. But like, yeah, did you replace it with anything? And if you did, what was that? Yeah. So I definitely replaced it with TV. And so I've okay. always been a big TV person. Like that is part of why like drinking at home is a big thing. Like I like to watch movies, watch TV. Like that's what I would choose to do like with my day off. Um, and so once I stopped drinking that like watching different TV shows, movies, that was a way to fill the time, which like in moderation, obviously it's fine. But so yeah, now I'm trying to like, I really like, I'm careful about how much TV I watch. I've been trying to read a little bit more yeah. and use that to fill the time. Cause yeah, for me, like drinking wasn't, it wasn't always so much like a physical addiction. It was more mental and the habit just to like fill time if I was bored so yeah, that was the one thing I definitely was watching TV instead of when I was drinking, I would swap that in instead, which obviously that's not as quite as bad for you, but <laughs> it's not a good habit to. 
but and then obviously now that I have a daughter, I don't have time to do <laughs> watch TV or read or do anything. But definitely, and I, and I think <laughs> see what's really amazing about your story, right? Is and again, thank you. I, I thank you. I think a few times, but thank you for coming on. Thank you for being able to stand by. I know for you now, you're like, hey, it's been a, it's been four years, so you're comfortable talking about it. But yeah. from my vantage point, someone that doesn't really know you that well, obviously, I just you know you went to high school and you know know you from social media and whatnot yeah the way i look at it is how this is going to impact like your like relationship with your kids long term and your in your health your overall health yeah like, these ripple effects so yeah. when you were deciding to get like sober i know at first it was like hey i just you know want no one to give me a hard time from what happened over like near thanksgiving and then obviously you, you really jumped on it but yeah um, and took off what about that? Like, is was that is that a big motivation for you at any point? Like, hey, I, I don't want my kids to have the drunk mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was like, so I, I wasn't like, before I got married, I wasn't somebody who like, oh, I want to have kids. Like, that was kind of never in like the front of my mind. But for me, it was, I always wanted to be married. And like, that was my goal. And yeah. the drinking was really bad. Like, right after I had got engaged, like, probably when it was the worst. So that was, yeah, that was a big thing. I definitely had like moments of like, I can't like thinking to myself, like, I can't have it all. Like, I can't be drinking and have these habits that I do while also having a healthy marriage and like moving into that. It's like, I knew something had to give and yeah, thinking of giving up alcohol completely like that definitely was a scary thing. But then, yeah, I just, I knew like for my future, I couldn't. And like, I guess at the time I didn't really think about having kids and how that would affect them. But then obviously, so like when I had stopped drinking, I think it was like a year when we decided we were ready to have a family. And so that was a big thing. Like if I was still drinking, like there's no way I would have, I don't think I would have wanted to have kids because I don't think I could have given that up for the nine months, like just without, you know, the like cold turkey, give it up. Yeah. So that was, yeah, now that I had been sober for a while, it made it so much easier to then be pregnant and do all these changes. And, and now I'm a stay at home mom. So like to think of how that would be if I was drinking still to have this time, like, obviously it's I'm busy, but I'm at home most of the time. So like, that would be really easy to spend, you know, to be drinking and to be able to hide it a little bit. So yeah, scary. To, that's part of the motivation for not slipping back into it too. Like I can't imagine what it would be like if I was trying to take care of my kids and still doing that. And that's and not to know, say like some moms can drink and you know have wine at night. Like for some people it works. But I just know for me and how I was when I was drinking, like there's no way. There's just no way, right? And I, yeah. I, I actually that's pardon me. I skipped over it. I forget that you didn't have kids when you got sober. So really, it was about you and Nick. So so actually yeah. talk about that, like where was your relationship at right when you right before you decided to get sober i'm sure you guys are in a good spot but how much yeah. better did they get as you further along in your sobriety yeah well so part of it like i which i did not to say i did it for him because at the time so we were we were engaged so it had been like a year so i, I mean I, I to start off like you have to do it for yourself first because right. if you do it for somebody in a relationship like relationships change like it's not a good like person to anchor to and to put it on somebody, because then if you break up, it's easy to give in. But it was, yeah, I wanted to have a healthy relationship. And when I was home, I was just drinking. So it's not like I was spending like actual quality time with him. Right. And then to have had a job where I was traveling, so like my time at home was more valuable. 
you know, it definitely like once I stopped drinking, the time we spent together is more meaningful that I'm actually like remembering her conversations and stuff. And, <laughs> and like I said, so he's not a big drinker at all. So he wasn't drinking. It was just me. And I'm sure like, that's not fun for him. Like nobody wants no. to hang out with a person who's drunk all the time. And, and, and shout out to him for, for obviously like, I mean, he's yeah. he along for the ride too, when you decide to get sober or was there before and then going along with it. Like, I'm sure yeah. you're going to agree it obviously was easier, I'd imagine, because he doesn't drink, but he still has yeah. to be supportive, right? So I imagine he is very supportive over the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, he still is. And yeah, just, ha- I mean, having him be okay with, like, if we went out for dinner, like, now, if he'll, like, maybe have a drink at dinner like, at a restaurant, and that's fine. But back down, like, if we were going to, like, somebody's house for dinner or doing something that I knew would be challenging for me, like, he was okay not drinking at all. Like, so that made a huge difference for me. Like, there's no way I would oh, have yeah. been sober now if he was st- if he was drinking and which I know some couples that that can work for them but yeah for us that would not have been then, oh yeah, yeah shout, shout out to Nick on the podcast we have yeah. a shout out for for that so before we jump away from everything on your your sobriety journey the the other question I have which I think is pretty pretty an easy one is what tips would you give someone who's listening that is at the beginning stages or is thinking about like seeking that journey uh what are the biggest pieces of advice you could give to them um, I would say like, definitely like to put, once you're at a certain point to post about it on social media, like I said, that's what helped me the most, but if anything, like just tell somebody and put it out there, like just to be able to talk about it. Cause a lot of people do. And I felt that way too. Like I kept it hidden and I didn't want anybody to know. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people didn't know, like even now people didn't know how bad it was. Uh, and so I think that would have helped me get sober sooner if I had put it out there and you know, talk to like people I was close to and said how bad it was. Um, So that's probably the number one thing. Um, Another thing that helped was following sober pages on like Instagram and Facebook, like different groups. Cause then you're like, every time you go on social media, you're seeing these like quotes and all these like positive things about being sober. Um, So seeing that, but then it also puts you in touch with different people who are going through it too. And sometimes it's easier just to talk to somebody that you don't know personally. Um, And that's what I did. It was just like reaching out to different people on Instagram um, and then you had a certain point to like have post about it, put it out there for people to see. And I know like going to like AA and counseling does help a lot of people. I think that's something, especially if it's like a more of a physical addiction. I think that's something that's really important. I did have like, I think maybe like two years before I ac- actually stopped drinking, I had made an appointment with an addiction counselor that I was going to go to and just, it was like after a bad night, but that was kind of like another thing. And I ended up not going, I didn't cancel. I just didn't go, but it was kind of like a way to say like, Oh, like you can't be mad at me because now I'm going to do this and go to counseling. So yeah, I ended up not doing it, but that's definitely something I would recommend to for people. And just to reach out, I feel like there are, like I've met so many different people that are sober like just do like the online community too. Um, and a part of it's like not like, you can't just give up drinking and live the same lifestyle. Like for me, I, I I'm more introverted. I necessarily like, didn't like going to bar. Like it's not something I would have done on my own. But then when I was drinking, it was something I always wanted to do. Like it just made me want to be more like, so I, part of it was once I stopped then I wasn't doing that anymore. And which that was at first that was hard to give up, but then now in hindsight, I definitely don't miss it. You know, and wrap this up too, in terms of timeline, because you just kind of sprang an idea for me. 
you stopped in 2019 December right December 1st yeah yeah uh, something I'm going to remember now is your sobriety date and then also your email address like I'm never going to forget your email address <laughs> but <laughs> but um so that's not funny right let's not laugh as a serious but uh <laughs> when you're going through that how much longer because I don't think you're a flight attendant anymore so how long yeah. were you a flight attendant while you were getting sober? I know your friends didn't pressure you, but what about coworkers who were like, who only saw you for that sliver of time, like you mentioned before? Were yeah. They like, talk about that. Like, was that? Yeah. I'm actually glad you brought that up because that was something I wanted to talk about that I forgot to mention. But yeah, so I stopped drinking December. Um, and then that was, so then with COVID happening, then I was off that spring. So there was like, yeah, probably two or three months in between where that was when I was trying to stay sober and still going out. And I'm um, so like with being in the airline industry, it's, it's rare that like you would fly with the same people multiple times. Cause there's just so many people, but because I was at a regional, it's a little bit smaller. And actually I did fly with somebody that I drank with a lot. I ended up one of my very first trips after I got sober, I was flying with him again and he was great, like super encouraging. Um, but yeah, so I noticed for me, part of why I ended up quitting being a flight attendant was after I took, like, I liked it because of the lifestyle. Like I could go to different places, go out drinking, have all this time off work. Um, and so once I gave up drinking, I realized I didn't like the actual job itself enough to keep doing it. And it had, yeah, I'd been almost six years where I kind of felt like, it wasn't like I was making a rash decision to leave. I just, I kind of knew like the time, like I, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I was having anxiety going to work. Like I didn't want to do the drive. I would call in a lot and just stay home and not go. So it was like, I, I just, I took a chance. I quit before I found a new job and I just figured I was, I was married. So I kind of put a lot on Nick and so far I'm kind of quitting, but um, it actually worked out perfect. So I gave, you have to give a two weeks notice like any other job. So I did that. Um, and then, so I was done. And then that weekend, uh, so Nick trains at No Joke MMA, where Ryan Rutherford, and we've had him on your podcast too. That's where he trains. Um, and so I had spent like some time there because Nick's been, he's been there longer than I've known him. Um, and then, so the gym owner was looking for an office manager to run there. So it was like perfect timing that I quit my job without a plan. It's, yeah, it was kind of meant to be. I took a leap of faith and then this, that worked out with that job. Um, and so I had, I, I started that job and then I got pregnant. And so that was great. Like the gym owner, like if I need, I was really sick for most of my first pregnancy and anytime I needed time off, he was great. Like he didn't care if I didn't come in, I could work from home. Very cool. Yeah. It's like a perfect example of, yeah, just taking a leap of faith and not that I recommend quitting a job without a backup plan, but, and that, but yeah, by then I had been sober for like two or three years. So it was it was like a nice change because I, I, part of it too with getting sober after like the two year mark, I kind of felt like, like drinking was my identity and then being sober was my identity. And then I wasn't needing to put as much time towards being sober and as much energy. So I was kind of in a spot of like, I need to do something different. And that's what ended up happening. Having, having a baby obviously was a big change and then working at the gym and running the office there. You're still working at the gym and running the office. No. So I, um, I, when I left, I was on like a maternity leave. He just had somebody fill in for me and I was going to go back. And like he said, I could bring my baby with me. Like it would have been great, but then um, Nick got a new job. So then I was able to stay home. So, which I, 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 if I could work anywhere, that's where I would work if I have to go back. But 
it, it was nice just to be home. Shout but... out Nick, man. Nick's like a hero yeah. in this whole story. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like the, he's, like, he's like, I'm not a sidekick. I'm the hero. And I think yeah. it's really funny. And not to make, I'm, I'm going to make light of the situation is, uh, <laughs> you know, you're sober and you come home and you're like, hey, be proud of me for being sober. But also, by the way, I just quit my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I quit yeah. two things now, right? Like, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked out well for him because like, I it, think I was only unemployed for like three days before we met with like, I already had known the gym owner because I had spent time there with Nick. And obviously then with working there, it was nice. I got to know all these people that like he spends his time with. So it was a great change. And then obviously that like, I don't, like, I don't know if I stayed in aviation, like would I have still been sober? Like it would have, there would have been a lot more chances to get back into drinking where with this, then I was home all the time. And the people at the gym all knew me and knew I was sober. So nobody was inviting me out for drinks after work so it's fascinating when you meet people and you're in a stage of your life right yeah people that you like you met people in high school growing up right like they know you for that yeah five years later you're after college you meet someone and then they take on who you are now so the people that met you when you were a drinker versus people that meet you now it's just a totally different yeah yeah and I'm lucky like a lot of my friends that I did drink with a lot in college like they have some of them have kids now like a lot of them grew up with me which is great but Yeah. I mean, some of them still drink a lot and I don't necessarily like, like now I could be around people that are drinking. It's okay. But I wouldn't want to like, you know, I, I still have to be careful how much time I spend with. Well, that leads me to my, to another question. And before I jump into some more fun stuff, if that's okay, is yeah. are there daily demons still? I know that you don't have to spend as much time, like you mentioned, um, being sober in terms of like working on it, but what about on a daily basis tomorrow you wake up, is it still there? Like is throughout the day? It definitely like doesn't go away. It's nowhere near as bad, but it's like, yeah, with that relationship with alcohol, it's like alcohol and what it was to me doesn't change. So I, like, I, I do wish sometimes like going to like, oh, like my sister just got married a couple of weeks ago. Like, oh, it would have been nice to have been able to like do the champagne toast, like little things like that make me like, like, you know, miss drinking. But to me, it's like, I could never just have one. Like, that was my thing. It's like, if I was going to start drinking, like I was going to keep drinking, I couldn't just have one or two. And so now if I think about what it would be like to like, maybe introduce alcohol, like occasionally, I know I would still not be happy just having one. So I have to like when I do get like the triggers, if I'm like bored or a lot of it's like, if I have to do something like clean the house, like that's when I would drink because <laughs> that makes it more fun. Like those kind of things like, oh, I wish I could do that, but it's not worth starting all over again and falling back into that pattern. But I'm no, laughing for the most part, that always stresses me out. Like cleaning the house. And it's like, I'd rather just like scroll on my phone or. Yeah. That was my thing. Like if I had to do a lot of cooking or cleaning, like I would drink because that's a way to pass the time and make it not as bad. Right. But yeah, obviously. Obviously, it's like then you spend your whole day, the rest of the day drinking. It's just not <laughs> worth it. But what you know, I for the doing... most part, though, now that it's been four years, like I, I don't really think about it quite as much. It's one of those things like that now that I'm not in the habit of not drinking. It's like I, I never was a big soda drinker. And so I think of it as that now, like if I go out to eat, like I'm not going to order soda because I don't like it. And that's kind of how it is for alcohol now. It's like I just I don't drink so I don't look at the menu it kind of after a while you get in that habit where then it doesn't take as much energy from you to stay away from it 
For sure. For sure. I, I think about that. You said like drinking makes it a little easier to clean the house. For me, I just turn on sports talk and I feel like I turn <laughs> it on really loud and I'm so mentally there what they're talking about, about football or whatever that yeah. I don't even realize I'm folding laundry. You know, I don't yeah. realize I'm cooking food. So yeah. uh, we all have our, 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 our ways of getting around things, but yeah, uh, I do want to lighten it up a little bit. For, so I want to graduate from, from that conversation, which I sure. really appreciate. It's amazing. Yeah. I want to have some fun here too, right? Let's have, let's talk about some good stuff. You like TV shows. <laughs> so I really want to talk about like, what is your favorite TV show all time? All time, probably true blood on HBO. Okay. And so that, that actually was when I stopped drinking. That was the show that I watched to keep me busy. Um, so it kind of, I think it has more of like a sentimental value that because of that, because you know, say true blood. I like reality TV. I watch love Island. Wow. They have like, so like when love Island's on, it's, they're like filming it and airing it at the same time. So every single day there's a new episode. Um, so I like, yeah, I'll watch that when that's on cooking shows. Um, I've seen, I was watching suits recently. That was the one that I was, I feel like everybody's talking about it now. I know it's an older show, but it's funny. Cause like I watched yeah. it a while ago and then I've seen it like twice through and now Katie and I are watching it again. Um, but now it's like become so much more popular than when it was like out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember like I knew what it was, but then yeah, just recently I've been watching that. Uh, I'm trying to get like more into reading, especially with having a toddler around. I'm trying to set a good example and not have the TV on all the time, but I kind of go back and forth. It's like I'll be into reading for a few months and then get back into watching TV shows. So, so then that leads me to my next question. Who's your, who's your favorite author? You like to read what kind of genre, but then like what author? Is, yeah, uh, I like Stephen King a lot. Stephen King? That was, yeah, I've read probably all of his, like the really famous books. And even when I was drinking heavily, like when I was flying, I, a lot of the time, like if I had downtime, like I always was a big reader, but that's something now that I am able to like focus on more and like actually, cause like with TV, you can drink and watch TV, but with reading, like you can't really drink and read at the same time. It's just harder to focus and remember, but, but yeah, no, definitely Stephen King. I'd say he's my favorite. Are you a, uh, are you a baker? Do you like to bake? Yeah, I'm really into sourdough. I've been baking sourdough stuff. I'm into cooking. Right now I'm making a bunch of freezer meals for when the baby's here. So yeah, that's one thing I've always been super into was cooking. And now I've, that I've got more time to do that. But, but yeah, so, I've been into sourdough. How, how long for sourdough? How long, how long have you been into sourdough? Uh, it's been about a year. But um, so when I got pregnant the second time, I was really sick. So I kind of took a break around like the spring. And so just looking at the sourdough starter made me want to throw up. <laughs> but now I'm able to like get back into it and all that. <laughs> that I feel better, but yeah, I've been working. I've been actually just today before this podcast, I made a loaf of bread to freeze. So when the baby's here, we'll still have good quality bread. So the benefit of it, cause I know cause Katie's into it too. It's like, it's healthier for your gut. Like that's what this whole thing is. I should I know. This. Yeah. I think that's what it is that like, it's just like, and then just making it yourself where you can choose what goes into it, but it's supposed to be better for you. Like it's more natural. Sure. It is fun too, especially with me being home all the time. It's something to like pass the time and something to do. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. Definitely. So we've got the last question of the night, which I always do on my podcast, which is the closing question. And you don't know what it's going to be. So it's super <laughs> okay. fun for me, right? Like I get to walk it all the way through the podcast and then say, Hey, by the way, one more question. And okay. you don't know what it is, but here we go. Okay. If you could be a TV let me explain. Let me re rewind that. If you could be in any like 
TV show but that's like your real life, right? Like for example, I love yeah. the show Suits, so being Harvey, like that would be amazing, right? If I yeah. could wake up tomorrow and I'm Harvey, I'm oh, awesome. If you could yeah. be a character in any TV show, I know you said True Blood's your favorite, but all time, who would you be? What season? Like, give me the details. Oh, I don't know, because yeah, I don't know if I'd want to live in True Blood where vampires <laughs> are real. And I don't know the show, so I I can't picture oh. it. I don't know the show True Blood. So, um, actually, you know, maybe that's probably what I would pick is True Blood. So, it's like the promise is that vamp. It's like a normal setting, like us, but then vampires are real and they come out of the coffin. It's called. So then it's like all these people know that they're real and synthetic blood is a thing, so they're supposed to drink that. Um, but yeah, I think, and then there's like a bunch of other stuff in it, like werewolves and different supernatural characters. Are you going to be one of those? Or are you going to be a human? What, which which were um, probably human? I think I don't think I'd want to be one of the, <laughs> the <laughs> monsters or bad guys. But but no, it is a really good show. It's it's older. I think it's probably from like like when we were in high school. I think is when it was out. But yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I want to just say again, like it means a lot for you to come on to the show. You're a great resource. So anyone that's listening, uh, for like that is going through any problems with sobriety, reach out to Lauren. Yeah. We you're a friend of the show now. Uh, loved your story, admire it, and just encouraging you uh to continue on, man. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for giving me a chance to share and talk about it. And absolutely. So it was fun. Yeah, well, I hope you have a good rest of your night. Yeah, you too. 